Hi, my name is Vanessa Tanner. I'm from Tennessee, and the Death Investigation Training Academy has been instrumental in becoming a medical legal death investigator. Three six one seven response report of shots fired. The Coroner Talk podcast takes you behind the scenes with coroners, clinicians, and death investigators from around the world to provide training, news, and interviews from leading experts in the area of death investigation and scene management, bringing real stories and solid training together in one source. Now, here's your host, Darren Day. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Coroner Talk, the only podcast in iTunes dedicated to you. Men and women work in the field of death investigation and, of course, all of the supporting roles, fire, police, private investigators, nurses. I mean, we've got a gamut listens to the to the show and not just in America. Remember, we're in like 150 some countries. And so we are broadcasting around the world. But, you know, you right now listening with your headphones, listening to my voice right now are the most important person of this show. And I appreciate you signing in every single month, every single week, rather, and listening to our show. Even if you get behind and you get caught back up, that I appreciate that greatly. So we are kicking off a new month. It is the first Monday of March, as you listen to this live, 2020. This month is going to be dedicated to leadership, office management, personal growth, and it does not matter if you are a supervisor, you're a captain, you're the elected coroner, you're the hired pathologist. It doesn't matter if you have a high-ranking leadership role or if you're a rookie and you just started yesterday or if you're in a different industry even and you're just starting out your career. Whatever, this month will be for you. So it's not just about the leadership of the elected coroners and all the bosses. It's also about how we, as investigators, as human beings, wives, husbands, mothers, fathers, kids, can manage ourselves, manage life, manage the workload that we have, things like that. So it's going to be a great month. We've got a lot of topics, and it's going to be a fantastic month. Now, today's show is going to be of a live training that Anita Brooks, you all know her, she's been on the show before, she's no stranger, did before a live audience And the topic is, as you've seen in the title, the seven superpowers of an effective leader. Great, fantastic presentation that she did. And I'm glad we got it recorded because I can now use it here. Before we get into that, I want to remind you that as this comes out, we've only got a couple of weeks left until March. The March session of the MDI Online Academy begins on March 14th. And then we have the... Medical Legal Level 1, the four-day class here in Missouri, starts on the 23rd of March, 2020. So if you haven't registered for either one of those, you better jump in and get that. And of course, if you're listening to my voice now, the first part of April, or first part of March, then you've only got one month left until the first part of April when we're going to be in Southern California. Hey, go to the Corner Talk podcast, cornertalk.com, check the online schedule, for all the training, find out where I'm going to be, what training to offer here in Missouri and what states I'm going to be in. I'm getting calls all the time of new places we're going to go. Uh, Now Montana, and we're going to go back to Maine. There's a lot of things going on. Go check that. If you want me to come to your area, all you have to do is reach out to me and we can work together and we can make that happen. 
Okay, let's stop the rambling about training stuff, which, hey, that's important. You've got to have training. But let's get on some podcast training now. We're going to transition now into the live presentation that Anita gave on the seven superpowers of an effective leader. Let's go over there now and listen in on that conversation. Adjust your earbuds, turn up those speakers, and hang on. It's now time for this week's featured conversation. Um, this is one of my favorite uh, little workplace stories. Maybe you guys can relate. There was an important job to be done and everybody was asked to do it. Everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Moral of the story, be the somebody who will do what anybody could do, but nobody does because everybody assumes someone else should do it. Anybody relate? As effective leaders, one of the challenges that we run up against is this kind of a frustration. But as effective leaders, I'm going to challenge you because I want to remind you, we're from Missouri, folks, and it was Harry Truman who said it best, the buck stops with you. I did some leadership training just this morning with another group, and one of the things that I reminded them, if your team is not functioning in the way that you want them to function, the first thing you want to do is go look in the mirror. And that's tough, but that's truth. Um, We can't change somebody else. We can only change us. So I want to share with you what I call seven superpowers of effective leaders. So the first one is monitor your mind's mouth. In other words, your self-talk. How many of you catch yourselves thinking thoughts about other people during the day? Are they always positive? Nope. One thing I want to remind you of, it's not going to be new information, I'm sure, but whatever you're thinking about someone else, you are going to project in some way. And people do pick up on those things. And if you are wanting to be an effective leader, if you're wanting engagement from your people, if you are wanting cooperation from your team and unity, be very, very careful about what you're saying to yourself up here. Another area where we have to mind our self-talk is what we say to ourselves about ourselves. Any of you ever thought this? I am so stupid. How effective does that make you? When you're focused on berating yourself in that way, how focused can you be on solving the problem at hand? See, oftentimes we get so caught up in the emotion that we don't know how to take an objective step back. One of the things that I started doing years ago that really helped me mind my self-talk was to analyze the situation and find out whether my emotions were lying to me or not. Because I don't know about you, but my emotions can lie to me. They can tell me all manner of things about situations and people that are untrue. So I have to be careful. So one of the things that I 
do on occasion when I need to problem solve, and especially if there are any kind of emotions involved, someone else's, mine, or both, is I do a very simple exercise I call fact versus feelings. And I will take a piece of notebook paper. Can I borrow your notebook there for a minute, Alex? I take a piece of simple notebook paper like this. I put a line down the middle. and On one side, I write facts, and on the other side, I write feelings. And what that does for me is I brainstorm out... Oh, sorry. I brainstorm out every piece of information that can be supported by evidence and that goes on my fact side about that situation. And then on the feeling side, everything I'm feeling in relation to it. When I'm done, it gives me a visual. It gives me the ability to then become more objective about that situation. And as a leader, I'm telling you, one of the things that you have to be careful of is your own emotions. Because if we start making just solely emotion-based decisions, and listen, there's nothing wrong with human emotion in appropriate levels and in appropriate ways. But if we start just making those decisions out of emotion, we'll get it wrong more often than we will not. And we can hurt people And we can certainly stifle projects and it can affect the bottom line in a very negative way. So that's one of the ways that I mind my self-talk is I'll do my fact versus feelings um, exercise with myself. And I don't have to have anybody else around. Nobody else has to see my little piece of paper. So it can just be whatever the truth is. I put that down. But then when I'm done looking at it, I have a better and clearer view of what I'm truly dealing with instead of what I may be telling myself. The second one, treat people like human beings, not objects to be used. It is amazing how all of us can be susceptible to this and not even realize that we're doing it. You know, we we need to get something done. And so a lot of times, you know, we will we'll be nicer to somebody or we'll try to butter them up just in the moment. But then when we don't need anything anymore, well, then we don't necessarily have as much time or attention to give them, right? We have to guard ourselves as leaders when we're doing those things. Because if people start feeling used, people will stop being as productive. They will not be as engaged. If your people feel as if they're being used, they will no longer trust you. And as a leader, if you lose trust, you will not be able to help the company, the business that you're working for achieve its goals and hit its mark. So you have to be really mindful of that. And some of you might be in a position where, you know, you think, Hey, I I really do try to, you know, I I know what it feels like. I've been on the receiving end, so I really try, you know, to work on that. But maybe there is someone that you have to work with and they have that issue. That's really difficult to deal with as well. Whenever you have someone else who's treating people like objects. And I can tell you, if you are somewhat in a co-leader situation and this person over here is damaging some of your people, one of the things that you're going to have to do is to the best of your ability, try to help clean up some of that fallout. Sometimes you just don't have a choice. You can't make someone else do the right thing 
But sometimes to be an effective leader, you have to clean up messages that you didn't create. And a lot of times we want to get into the whole, you know, well, it's not my job, itis. I didn't start that. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. But if you want to be effective, sometimes you have to step up when nobody else is. And sometimes you have to step up when somebody else created the situation. Third one, you heard me say this previously, listen twice as much as you speak. Why is that important? Why is it important that we listen twice as much as we speak? Exactly. Yeah. So when you listen, then other people get the sense that what they have to say matters. It's important. It means something. Very good. Okay. Gives them a sense of value. Absolutely. What are some other reasons why it would be important to listen twice as much as we speak? You might learn something. Very good. As leaders, can we not learn from our people? Absolutely. I'll tell you another thing that, that kind of goes along with this, and this is you know one of my personal kind of, you know what I think of as a leadership superpower. I ask more questions of people than making statements at them. Why is that effective? And it goes back to making them feel like their input is valued, important. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep, it does. That absolutely makes them feel valued and important. You're not really telling them what to do. They're telling you what they're going to do. Right. And so what happens when a person is telling you what they could do, should do, versus you just telling them? That's what I'm looking for. They take ownership. That's exactly right. And when people take ownership of something, they bought in. And it's really difficult as a leader to lose someone who has bought in at that level. If they're part of the process, they're usually going to see that process all the way through because now it's become personal. They're invested in it. And that's what you want from your people. You want them to be invested. So one of the things that I uh, teach are about invisible drains. Invisible drains being those things that drain time, energy, money, and other resources from us as individuals or from our businesses, okay? I can tell you that I, um, in my business coaching, have worked with healthcare, I've worked with oil companies, I've worked with banks, um, recreation, manufacturing. So you hear a myriad of different industries, right? I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I have a reason for telling you that. Because it doesn't matter what the industry is, when I walk in that door that first time, I know that I've identified seven core invisible drains that I need to be looking for. Every single time. I don't care what business it is. If you want to write these down, these will not be in your slides. If you don't have something to write them down and you miss them, if you will um, let me know, I will gladly share them with you. And I will tell you that the order that I'm going to give them into you is the order of priority in my mind that they need to be dealt with. Okay. So you're going to put the words clear or I'm sorry, unclear and inconsistent in front of each of these. Number one, unclear and inconsistent expectations. Have you ever had a situation with someone where you needed to give them directions for something? And so you did. Three or four days later, that individual was not following through to the level that you thought that they should have. Has that ever happened to any of you? 
So this is an example of a time when expectations might be off your expectations. See, human beings, when they are told something verbally, on average, they retain an average of, somebody give me a figure. 30%. Okay, Alex says 30%. How much do human beings retain when they hear something auditorily? 70%, okay. One more, give me another one. 45. 45, okay, what'd you say? 10%. Okay. So the statistical number is 25%. So 75% of what you just told them went where? Bye-bye. Okay. So whatever you think as a leader that you say to yourself, well, I gave them instructions. I told them. And I hear this all the time from leaders. They get so frustrated because their people didn't follow through or follow instruction or they didn't do it Completely, they did it partially. Oftentimes, it will come back to this. There's a distorted expectation because you're expecting people to do more than truly they're capable of statistically. So you always want to consider, are your expectations clear and are they consistent? Which leads us to number two, unclear and inconsistent communication. So... When we talk about communicating, what are some various ways that we communicate with other people? Speaking. Written. Written communication. Okay. What else? What do we do at work? How do we communicate with people at work? Email. Email. Okay. Any of you ever text? Okay. So there's different ways that we communicate. But oftentimes, we're just doing something on the fly, are we not? Especially if we are powerful leaders and we have a lot on our minds and we are trying to think of all the things that we need to accomplish. So we may throw a communication out there. And in our minds, guess what we just got to do? Check it off for a list, right? But if we were unclear or if we're giving mixed messages to people, We've just undermined ourselves and our effectiveness as a leader. And again, that becomes an invisible drain that it leaks like a sieve just taking time, energy, money, and resources from us in the organization. Our third one, unclear and inconsistent processes. One of the things that um, I see happen commonly is someone gets a great new idea. Okay? And I told you, I love great ideas. I'm an idea gal. I'm visionary. But what we too often do is we decide, okay, let's do it. Let's implement this great new idea. But we don't take into account the other people who are going to be affected by this change in process or who are going to affect this change in process. Because oftentimes we think if they're not directly involved we don't need to share clear and consistent com or expectation or clearly and consistently communicate. But in fact, if there's any kind of impact going one way or the other, then we've got an unclear and inconsistent process because there's going to be some hiccups when we try to implement. And it's amazing to me how often things get implemented and we've not really thought them out. 
Um, if you're not familiar with process mapping, process mapping is one of those ways that you can actually visually think out a process before implementation. It can save you hundreds and thousands of dollars just by getting some key people in the room who will have some kind of impact on that process if it's implemented and you literally just map it out and you use post-its so they can be moved around because guess what's going to happen? Five steps down here. Oh, we forgot about this over there. And then we have to go back and add something. And it's a great way to sit down and really think that through and make sure that we're not spending a lot of time, money, energy, and possibly other resources doing something that could have some holes in it and not be aware of that. Okay, our fourth core invisible drain. Unclear and inconsistent training. I can't tell you how many times I hear this whenever I'm in an organization. Yeah, I know, I know we need to do more training. I know we should train more. Well, I know we haven't trained on that. I know, I know we need to get on it. But here's the thing as effective leaders. You can know things. You can have knowledge. But if you do not do something with that knowledge, then you do not have wisdom. And if you want to be an effective leader, you want to be wise. You want to make sure that you do something with what you know. If you know you have a training gap, do something with your training gap. It will save you money. A lot of times we, we mistakenly think that, well, we're going to put off training because it, we don't have time for it now and we don't have the money. Most often, you don't have the time and the money not to train. It's that crucial. And whenever I'm hired to go in and sit down and, and sometimes interview the employees themselves, oftentimes from the employee perspective, that's one of their biggest complaints because your employees want to be trained. They want to do a good job. They want to be equipped with what they need to be able to produce everything that you expect them to produce. And so it's as frustrating for them when things are not being done as well as they could be as it is for you. So training is one of those areas. Our next one is unclear and inconsistent people care. People care can come obviously in several different forms. So that can be employees. It can be customers. It can be vendors. It can be co-leaders and colleagues. It can be your supervisors. But are you really considering the people and the impact and the influence that you're having on them? As effective leaders, I just want to remind you that you are influencing people. The question is, are you influencing well? And that's something you should ask yourself every single day. Am I influencing well? But it goes back to treating people like human beings and not objects. And then number six, unclear and inconsistent <clears throat> accountability. You know, we've worked on being clear and consistent in our expectation, our communication, our processes, our training, our people, but then there's not accountability. And if you don't have some kind of appropriate accountability measures, there will be fallout because what happens, it's what I call staff infections, okay, in the workplace. If employees see someone else getting away with 
inappropriate behavior, lack of productivity, working to get out of work. Ever seen that? Remember I brought up that word earlier, justification? Guess what happens in the minds of your other people after a time? That self-talk thing, their self-talk goes down the pits because they start telling themselves, why should I bother? Why should I care? Why should I put out all this effort when that person over there is not doing anything? So as a leader, if you start seeing a reduction in the productivity, you might really consider accountability. That might be one of those areas you need to look in the mirror. And oftentimes this is what happens in leadership and accountability. Leaders put off holding someone accountable because one of two things. One, they're unsure they've not gotten the equipping they need and how to hold people accountable appropriately, or it just feels awkward and uncomfortable. Because as leaders, it is difficult. It's the hard right thing to hold people accountable in certain scenarios. But if you don't do it, you are going to undermine your own effectiveness as a leader. It's that crucial. Because your people are looking to you to make sure that everything is running properly. And then our last one, unclear and inconsistent execution, follow through, implementation. Again, I go back to you can know and know and know, but if you don't do something with what you know, it's meaningless. It's a waste. Um, When we go back to um, those seven core invisible drains, This is an area that you as leaders can be looking at on a regular basis and evaluating yourself and your organization overall. So the next superpower is practice appreciation. I learned this years ago from an employer that I had. Up until that point, I don't know that I had ever heard someone use the word appreciate as much as he did. But it was genuine and it was authentic. Don't just throw flattering words around. It's got to be authentic. But when it is, what it does to the human spirit is amazing. To this day, if I ran across this guy, I would be like, can I buy you dinner? You know, I mean, I just have that kind of loyalty that is ingrained in me because This guy went out of his way to look for things that we did right. And he expressed appreciation. I appreciate you. Thank you. Boy, you sure make a difference. I don't know how we would have done that if it hadn't been for you. Leaders are always asking me, well, how can I reward people? And, you know, we don't have a big budget. So how can I do it? Look, guys, this one's free. Free. Interesting true story. Uh, It's been quite a few years ago, probably. 13, 14 years ago, I set out on a mission. I was in a leadership position and I decided I wanted to ask every employee and there were over a hundred employees. So this was not a small task. I wanted to ask every employee two questions. These were my two questions. And I spent eh, five to 10 minutes with each employee on average. What is it that drives you crazy about coming to work here every day? And I'm writing notes. Okay. My second question What is it that you absolutely love about coming to work here every day? 
Notice, by the way, I ended on the positive. Okay, that was intentional. But here's something that really transformed my thinking as a leader. I had one employee in particular, and I had several who reacted in ways that surprised me. Like some people got really emotional because I took a few minutes out of my day to do a one-on-one, look them in the eye, ask them the questions, then shut my lips and listened and wrote some notes. That's all I did. But I had one employee go so far as, I'm not kidding you, I got a two and a half page letter. No kidding. With, it was a female, but hearts and flowers and all things like written on it. And, but this is what astounded me, is what she says in this letter. She goes on and on gushing about how she could not believe that I showed such personal interest in her as a human being, that I cared enough to talk to her and take time out of my busy day and then listen to her. And I learned something really valuable from that. And so I began to teach that. So some of you in the room may not know this, but I actually facilitate a group of multimillionaires. They're from different parts of the country. And I call them the power circle because guess what personality they all have? They're all powerfuls, right? So I was sharing this in one of our meetings one time. And so I challenged each of them as the topmost leader of their organizations to invest in themselves in that much time to go and ask those two questions of their employees. So one of the gentlemen in this group, he's from Ohio, kind of is, you know, he's powerful, perfect, very strong, powerful, perfect. And he kind of stiffens his back and he goes, well, I don't mean to offend you, Anita, but I don't see how that would make any difference at all. Hey, you're entitled to your opinion. No problem. I said, but I'm going to challenge you to try it. Will you at least take me up on the challenge and will you try it? We had our next meeting about six months later. He comes in and he says, all right. And he waits till we start the meeting. He says, all right. He goes, I intentionally waited to do it in front of the group because I've got egg on my face. He said, I did what you challenged us to do, and I went to every employee, and he goes, and I did it throughout our entire season, and I made it a point by the time the season was done, I had hit every employee, and I had done that, and he said, our productivity soared. He said, I couldn't believe it. He said, we had so much less turnover than we've had before, just because, and he goes, that's all I changed. He like, I didn't do anything else differently this year. It has that kind of impact. There is something intrinsic, again, soul deep in the human spirit. When they, when they feel genuinely appreciated, they'll work for less money. They'll bend over backwards and go the extra mile. They'll do all manner of things in a positive way that they would not do otherwise. But it's got to be authentic. But express it. Show it. Share it and personalize it. And if you're dealing with an introvert, do not do it publicly. Okay? If you're doing it for an extrovert, make sure there's a few people around. Okay? It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Um, I do a whole thing on rewards that work with employees because I'm telling you, cookie cutter reward systems don't work. There's a time and a place for monetary incentive 
I'm not against that at all. I think that is important as an element of what you do for your employees, for motivations and morale boosting. But it should not be the only thing that you do because one thing about money, spend it and it's gone. And with it, the memory of it. But when you do things like this, they retain it. Another small thing that I've done to show appreciation, just write on a piece of paper on a post-it. I like you because... Make sure it's personal to them. It's meaningful. I'm telling you, I've had people come up to me years later and pull a tattered piece out of their wallet and go, look, I still have this. Because they remembered. It made that kind of an impact. I've went and got inexpensive, like sparkly paper. And, you know, I just did like a little baseball thing and said, you know, just want you to know, glad you're part of the team and have people, I mean, they hold on to those things. They don't throw those away. Very inexpensive. But you'll get loyalty sometimes for life when you do that with your people. And it is a superpower of effective leaders. Choose integrity in every moment. We need to remind ourselves of this often. Talk about positive self-talk. Remind yourself to act with integrity. Acting with integrity to me means doing the same thing whether anyone else can hear you or see you or not. And oftentimes where leaders make mistakes is they get caught bad-mouthing or gossiping. Gossip will destroy an organization and destroy your team, by the way. Thinking that nobody else can hear them, only for someone else to be within earshot, maybe around a corner, out of sight. And it can destroy the way that you are viewed as a leader that can infiltrate the rest of your staff. People do have conversations about those things. And we can talk all day about whether our employees should or shouldn't do things, but here is reality. You got to deal with the facts of how they're going to behave, not how you think they should behave. That's being an effective leader is dealing with that reality. But when you are not behaving the same way behind their backs as you would in front of their faces. At some point, I promise you, it will bite and it will bite hard. So treat, and, 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 and I'll say this for any human relationship, treat people as well behind their backs as you would to their faces. If you would not say it in front of them, it's probably better not to be said. Now, as leaders, we know that there are sometimes decisions that have to be made about employees that are hard decisions. And so sometimes it is appropriate for you to have conversations. But if you do that, ensure that you have put as many protective barriers in place as you can so that other people cannot overhear and that person is not hurt. You never want to take someone's dignity because if you take their dignity away, again, it weakens you as a leader. It makes you look as someone who's not trustworthy. If you are gossiping about one person, guess what other people know? If you'll gossip about them, you'll gossip about me. You're seen as not being a trusted person. And if you want your people to be engaged, if you want your people to to be loyal to you, then you've got to be trustworthy. So integrity is crucial. Become an intentional promise keeper. 
I do my very best to live and die by it's better not to make a promise than to make one and break it. How many times do we as human beings tell people that we're going to do something and then fail to follow through? We have good intentions when we say it. We get busy. We forget. When that happens, you want people to show you mercy, right? But what happens when the tables are turned and you're on the receiving end? How do you feel? If you want to be an effective leader, play that game with yourself. Ask yourself, how would you feel if the tables were turned? Treat people as you would want to be treated. And one of the most effective things that you can do is to be a person of your word. Again, it goes back to that trust. So give you a couple of scenarios that have come up recently with some of my clients. Having employees get frustrated because the employee was told that they would get their evaluation by a certain date. That date comes and goes. Leader forgot. They get busy. They got other things on their plate, right? Guess who didn't forget? The employee. If you're going to give someone a date, you better do everything in your power to have tickler systems in place and make sure that you meet that date on or before. Don't ever tell someone, I'll call you back in a few minutes. Why is that? Because what happens to us, Becky? We get busy. We get interrupted. You know, We don't know what might happen, you know, the unforeseen. But what you can do is say, you know what? Um, I need to gather some information. It may take me a little bit. I cannot guarantee exactly, but I promise you as soon as I possibly can, you're going to get a call from me. And then get back to them ASAP. Mm -hmm. Don't get distracted by other things, but be a person of your word. Make yourself a person that others can count on. Not just the people that you report to, but the people that report to you, because that will make you effective. And guess what happens when you start to practice that? When you become a person who says, it's better not to make a promise than to make one and break it. So if I'm going to make a promise, no matter what, I'm going to keep it. It better be a dire emergency for me not to keep my word. What happens with your people besides the fact that they trust you? Yeah, because you set an example. Because listen, I I, I laugh about this, but it's truth. Whatever works with children pretty much works with employees and vice versa. If you are going to teach and train other people to do something, you better be walking the walk because they're going to follow whatever you do, not what you say time and again. So if you want to be effective, make sure that you are exemplifying that. And measure your progress with a quarterly SWOT analysis. Anybody in here not know what a SWOT analysis is? You've probably done a SWOT analysis on your business, right? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Have you ever done that on yourself as a leader? Has anybody in here ever done a SWOT analysis on themselves as a leader? We actually made all the managers do a SWOT on ourselves. Good. Okay. Did you do it on yourself? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Good. Anything enlightening in uh, that exercise? What 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 came out of that? What was a positive in doing a SWOT analysis on yourself? Uh, it was interesting to see others' reaction to my own SWOT. Like you know, they uh, or they would come back and say, "What well, did you forgot about this?" Or <laughs> it is interesting how other people point things out, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and. Um, I like the fact that you shared it openly 
but it's something you can do privately as well. You can do it both ways. But one of the, the benefits of a SWOT analysis is very simply, like I was saying before with the fact or the feeling exercise, it gives you a visual. And having that visual in front of you helps you not to just think about it and then quickly move on and then forget about it. And it helps you to not only identify those areas that you need to work on and strengthen, but it also should be a reminder for you to celebrate some victories and some successes. See, as leaders, we need to remember as much as it's very important for us to strive for continual improvement and to motivate our people to do the same, it's equally important to make sure that we celebrate what we succeed at. Because if you do not do that, what happens with human beings is that they get burnt out. They get tired of the effort. What's the point? We just do something and we just move on to the next. There's got to be a momentary celebration that says, oh, all the, the effort we put into that was worth it. It was well expended. And if you don't do that for yourself and other people, then you can deflate your own energy. This is something that I strongly urge leaders to do. I, I made a very simple form. It's not fancy. But you notice a couple things on it. What's the very top thing say? I caught you doing something right. Focusing on that. What you do is you start conditioning people that hey, we do acknowledge you, we do recognize you, and we're encouraging you to continue doing things right. The message, we don't have to do a great job, we get to. People forget when they've been on the job for a while how hungry they were for work when they first applied. Happens to all of us. But sometimes we need that reminder that we get to do this. You know, sometimes I get really busy and I have to remind myself, that's part of my positive mental self-talk, is to remind myself, I don't have to do this, I get to. This is a privilege, it's an honor for me to be able to do this kind of work. And I'm helping people. And, you know, putting the name of the person who demonstrated excellence, what you're doing is you're reinforcing that you want people to strive for excellence, but you're doing it in a positive way because you're gonna give this to them. You put the date of the event, you put your name, and then a brief description of what you witnessed. This is, again, one of those things that people hold on to. It becomes a memento. It becomes a symbol. It becomes an award for them. And you as a leader become rewarded if it's authentic, by the way. Can't stress that enough. It's got to be authentic. You don't just start passing these out to everybody. There's got to be a specific moment and circumstance attached to this for it to have to be meaningful. But when you begin to practice this, your people do become, they feel more valued. And when people feel valued, they want to work harder for you. They want to do more for you. They want to help the company and the organization. This is an affirmation that I created, created for effective leadership. It says, I am an effective leader, choosing to serve, sacrifice, and support those I am responsible for. Because as a leader, look, people aren't there to serve you. You are there to serve them. My choices and decisions strengthen my leadership foundation built on honesty, integrity, and concern for my team members. I focus on providing clear and consistent expectations to all I interact with. 
I communicate clearly and consistently, taking responsibility if there's a breakdown. I do my part to create clear and consistent processes, considering all who may be impacted by any changes. I participate in and support clear and consistent trainings as needed and encourage my team members to do the same. I provide clear and consistent customer care on a daily basis, understanding their needs come first. I ensure ensure clear and consistent accountability is followed through on, strengthening my team, our bank, obviously I did this for a bank, and the community we serve. I lead better by listening twice as much as I speak. I understand that it is more important to defer and give credit rather than standing up to say, I'm in charge and I did it. Because so many leaders make that mistake, guys. They, they want to, too many leaders want to take credit, not only for the things that they were a part of, but sometimes for the things that their people did. And you got to really be careful because you will undermine yourself as a leader. And then I will conduct myself as an effective leader in my personal and professional life at all times. This is an affirmation that I wrote some time ago. Again, I altered it for a specific client, but this is something I strive to live by myself. It's something that I work to set an example before other people. But I don't just do this for myself. I do it because these people that I work with matter that much to me. I want to make a difference in their lives. I want to influence well. And I know the benefits that I've enjoyed from making this a part of who I am. Making myself someone trusted, someone that other people can say, you know what? Yeah, I think I'd like to work with her. I think I'd like to, to, you know, have a little bit more of the good things I see her experience in my life. What do your people see in you? What are you mirroring to them? Are you exemplifying a life that they would want to mimic? What's your face saying to them? What's your tone of voice? You know, and sometimes it's not what we say, but how we say it to people that makes that difference. And do you really have a servant's heart for the people that you're leading? Because you're their shepherd. They're looking to you to protect them, to prepare them, to help them, and to launch them. That's your job. One of the greatest things that you can do is teach other people to be good leaders. So many want to kind of hold it to the vest. They're afraid that if I give too much away, that I'm going to be less valued. I'm not going to be as important. I've never had that be the outcome for myself, and I've not seen that happen for other people. When you invest in other people and you are not territorial, when you really care about others and you encourage and you lift up and you work with them and for them, you do shine as a leader and you become someone that other people want to work with because they think, you know what? If she'll do that for them, maybe she'll do it for me. If they can trust him, I can trust him. And as a leader, that's what you want to exemplify. Okay. Any questions about superpowers of effective leadership? You notice on all of this, none of it's complicated. It's very simple. It's intentional. I live, breathe, talk, walk, intentionality. It's intentional. But again, it goes back to, it's not about whether it's simple or complicated. It's about what are you doing with what you know? I have people all the time who say, you know, 
I know I need to be a good listener. Are you? I know I need to care about my people. Are you? I know I need to appreciate my people. Do you? That's your challenge as a leader, is to really invest yourself intentionally every day in serving them in the best capacity that you can. And when you invest in them, that interest will be compounded and you will benefit too, I promise. All right, I'm back with you here. Isn't it always nice to hear Anita teach on something? She is so full of information. She does such a great job of putting that information out. And again, as part of this month, talking about leadership, talking about office management and and dealing with your people and things like that, that the seven superpowers of an effective leader, that was an amazing conversation. I, I was there the day that she taught that. And I'm like, I'm glad we're getting this on recording because I know that the listeners of the Corner Talk podcast would want to hear from her. And that's why we're going to hear from her a couple of times this month because she has a lot of good information to put out. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in, it works in every industry. Police, coroner, medical legal, medical examiner, firefighter, banker, oil tycoon, it all works the same. So I know if you would have you took notes, you got a lot out of that. You can also go to the show notes at cornertalk.com. All those things are listed out there. Remember, as I say every week, one of the big things you can do is find somebody to bless. Blessing your employees is also a way to do that. Your coworkers, your peers, your staff, whatever it is you call them in your organization, find a way to bless them as well makes you an even more effective leader. Now, let's say you're not a leader. Let's say you're just a worker. Let's say you're an investigator. Let's say you're just a rookie cop. All of that, all of this we talked about on this show applies as well. You can still demonstrate those things to other people, to peers, to people that that you come in contact with. And as you get some promotion and as you get some leadership, start applying those more and more and more. And again, when when you become the top brass, you will have that as a habit and you'll be one of the most effective leaders that your organization has ever seen. So I know you got a lot out of that. Again, thank you for sticking around to the end. Remember, find a way to be a blessing. And most of all, I want you all back next week. So above all, be safe. Thanks for listening to Coroner Talk, a DSPN media production. Visit our website at coronertalk.com. And be sure to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash coroner training. 3617-1024 scene on route to morgue. 